Just a little pre-warning for our listeners that today's episode contains a little bit of swearing. Hello, I'm Ashley. And I'm Gary. And welcome to episode 11 of Choose Film Podcast, uh, where we take a deep dive into a random film chosen by our guest host. You know, our theme this week still is the feel-good theme. And today we are joined by the wonderful Alistair Rennie. Thank you so much for joining us, Alistair. You have chosen the wonderful in my eyes, film Step Brothers. Um, so yeah, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure, thanks very much for having me on and thank you for calling me wonderful as well. That's very kind of you. Um, yeah, I'm Alistair, I'm 33. I'm from Cumbernauld for my sins. Uh, I'm an actor. Uh, I've been doing that for about three, three and a half years now. I also do a little bit of writing and producing, but mainly acting. Uh, I am... Ginger. Uh, I also have a black belt in Taekwondo and I have three kidneys, two of which don't work. All the fun facts. I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, yeah loving we it. usually leave the, the fun facts to the end, but we're getting hit with them right away <laughs> here. It's so good. I'm I just mean... a walking fun fact. That's me. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Um, so, Alistair, tell us a little bit about why you chose Step Brothers. Well, it's not your traditional sort of feel-good film, but when you asked me to pick a feel-good film, this was the film I kept coming back to. Um, it's it's one of those films that I just, like, I love to watch when I'm feeling a bit down or uh, I need a bit of cheering up. So I, I kind of went through some films and I was like, no, I just keep coming back to this one. This is the one that I would go for if I want to, you know, pick myself up a bit, make myself feel good about myself and just have a have a good laugh. So, Alistair, I'm going to go to you first. What's your rating out of 10? Oh, it's 10. Absolutely. 10's across the board. Yeah. Well, my, my rating for it is a 9 out of 10. I also love this film. And here we go to Gary. What is your <laughs> rating? My rating is 5.9 out of 10. This is the second time I've tried to put this film on. The first time... I just couldn't get into it and I thought maybe it was just me and whatever mood I was in on that day and then I put it on a few nights ago to watch it again and I struggled to like get to the end. I don't know what it is. I know everyone loves this film. It's got like such a huge fan base but I just I just can't get into it. I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of Will Ferrell in general. He's done a few films that I do love. I've still got a good few points on it because obviously we need to go with the the positive things but yeah well i'll wait till we get into it well i don't know what to say i know but maybe <laughs> maybe you'll change my mind by the end that's why we're here and it's it's great to have mixed reviews you know yeah well, and it's all just nodding and going yep absolutely agreed, agreed. that was like so, me for alien i love it yeah um so for any of our listeners who might not have seen Step Brothers, here's a little synopsis for you or maybe you just need a little reminder. So we have Brennan and Dale have one thing in common. They're both lazy, unemployed, and still live with their parents. That's three things in common. 
When Brendan's mother and Dale's father marry and move in together, it turns the overgrown boy's world upside down. Their insane rivalry and narcissism pull the new family apart, forcing them to work together to reunite the parents. When Robert and Nancy became man and wife, Dale and Brennan became stepbrothers. What if you and Dale get along great? You better not get in my face, because I'll drop that motherfucker. Hey. Hey. The boys seem to be feeling each other out. Brennan, you and Dale are going to have to share a room. Are you awake? Yeah. I hate your guts. This house smells like Bengay and barbecue sauce. If you have difficulty breathing, that's me holding a pillow on your face. I'm going to take a pillowcase and fill it full of bars of soap and beat the shit out of you. I'm going What are you doing? I'm burying you. Let the dirt just shower over you. Oh, my dad's gonna wonder where I am. He'll never know you're gone. Okay, name your favorite dinosaur. Alistair, I'm gonna start with you. What's your first point, your first positive point on this 10 out of 10 film for you? Like I said before, it's just, I don't know, there's just something about it that no matter how many times I've watched it, I still find it hilarious. Like, I watched it last night again, and... It still just makes me laugh, like all the same the same points each time just make me laugh constantly. Um, even though like I quote it so much and I've watched it so many times, I don't know. There's just something about it that just any time I put it on, I'm just like, yes, I am ready to have a laugh here. And yeah, it's I think it's just it's just a great film, mm-hmm. just all round great film. Yeah, it is reliable for yeah, for absolutely. for me anyway. I'm like, if I need a laugh. No matter how many times I've seen this film, I still laugh at all the same bits. Um, so yeah, definitely the the sort of sense of it just being a reliable, feel good, it will pick you up film. I totally agree with that one. When when did the film come out again? When was it released? Two thousand and eight. Two thousand and eight. Yeah. So maybe maybe I would appreciate it more. I guess if I seen it back in two thousand and eight, you know, maybe it's kind of that one where. The, the more you watch it, you remember that first time watching, and maybe I don't know, maybe I've just matured so much over the years that I'm kidding on. <laughs> but you know, maybe it's like a, a like for a lot of people, it could maybe be that nostalgia thing as well, where like everybody remembers coming out with Step Brothers laughing their head off. So any time they put it on again, they have that same emotion running through them. See, it was it was a weird thing. I never actually saw it in the cinema. I think it was my brother. He'd bought the DVD, and he was like, "Oh, you need to check this film out." So I sat down and watched it with him. And that was maybe like a year after it had been out. So I'd sort of missed all the kind of hype and going to see it in the cinema. But just watching it with him, like we got on really well. Um, so that was just kind of cool, like just watching something, just having a laugh with, with just him. Yeah, I think it might be one of those films as well where it's good with a group of people. A few beers, uh, that's kind of on almost not in the background, but... You know, because people have seen it so much, they can jump in and out, have conversations, and just have a good time. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. that there's a, there's ever a movie night, or like me and my mates are having a movie night or something, and they're looking for film suggestions. That's always kind of one of the ones that uh, I would throw in at the mix, unless it's like genre specific or something. But if it's just that kind of random, or oh, let's watch some films, I would always kind of float that one out. Yeah. There. Yeah, and like you said, it is so quotable. There are so many great lines in there, um, that. Art just make me laugh so much. 
Um, yeah, so Gary, what's your first point, your first positive point on the film? Okay, I'm going to go with, like, like what is it trying to say? What is it trying to tell us? I know you shouldn't really look too much into meetings with a Will Ferrell film, but <laughs> I'm going to. And I think it is generally, like, just what family and love can do for for a home. So, obviously, um, Brennan and Dale absolutely hate each other and they realise that they are family and it's no matter how much of a pain in the arse family members are, when a bigger douchebag comes in, you just bring yourself together to almost defeat them. And obviously that brother would have, eh, that douchebag would have been Derek, eh, Brennan's brother. He's got his money, the cars and supposedly this family. But I feel like there's no love in there. So that's why like the wife is like cheating on him, which there's some hilarious scenes with... I can't remember that actor's name. It plays his wife, but she is hilarious in everything she's in. But um, that scene in the the public bathroom up against the urinals and stuff is just hilarious. But yeah, so basically, yeah, Dale and Brennan hate each other, but then they become friends or, or brothers, I should say. And then they try and keep the family together when this whole divorce is on the, the surface. And then throughout the film, you see how much they bond a wee bit more so... Brennan even gets up on stage, even though he's scared that he's going to be humiliated, but he'll do it for family at the end. And again, like the brothers are so similar. They've got the same reaction when they're grounded from watching TV. They both sleepwalk, they both dress the same. But when the brothers work as a family, that's when they get stuff done. So like when Derek goes to try and sell the house and the dresses as Hitler it's, it's a Nazi anyway but uh, dressed up as a Nazi and the other one dressed up as like somebody from the KKK and it's like obviously that's done for comedic value but it is actually when they, they, they work together they actually accomplish stuff yeah definitely and that that actually leads really well onto my next point is that they are very much the the babies of the family even though they are older and the sort of outlook of the film says that they they shouldn't be living at home, they shouldn't be unemployed and stuff, but they are they are the kids of the family, and that family unit is held together, um, well by them. Which, in the outset, you kind of think they're going to pull this apart. They're not going to allow this marriage to happen. Um, so yeah, my next point is like the childlike identities of Dale and Brennan. This film wouldn't be as funny as it is for me if they weren't so childlike it's when that first dinner scene when they're all together and dale (laughs) sings this song which i have had stuck in my head which i'm not gonna sing but if you want (laughs) to look it up go on no (laughs) if you want to look it up it's on youtube um we can do a duet if you want (laughs) take away alistair no 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 it's okay so um dale starts singing and then he's slagging off brennan brennan's almost crying um, and then there's like the awkward kind of non-hug, air hug thing that most of us do now that COVID is around, but it just looks so awkward in this film um, between Brennan and Robert. And then, of course, you've got the initial standoff of the two stepbrothers facing each other in the garden, telling each other, uh, you have to call me Dragon, you have to call me Nighthawk. They're staring each other down and then you've got the stepbrothers, titles come up, there's so much distance between them. There's the the sort of um, protectiveness of 
Dale's drum kit and stuff. It's just all these childlike things that really, really make the movies. You know, if these if these characters were acting acting their age, whatever that means, but you know, what we're what we perceive to be like acting their age, it wouldn't it wouldn't have the the comedic value that it does. Supposedly as well, um the director wanted to shoot this as a drama and not as a comedy at first. Then it was it was changed. It would have been a very, very different film if it had yeah. been a drama. I don't think you could have even cast Will Ferrell or John C. Reilly. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say that. I don't know if that casting would would work. I, I see Will Ferrell in a film and I just think I know it's going to be funny. But that's just me. <laughs> or, it, or it's supposed to be funny. I'm kidding. <laughs> Whatever. Or insanely, insanely stupid. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I don't know. I feel like I'm dissing this film, and I'm not, I don't want to. I don't want to make it a podcast about dissing. But no. there is other like Will Ferrell films that I do find like I love Daddy's Home. Don't know if any of you have seen Daddy's Home. I've seen but, it. Yeah, I, I don't know. There was something about it like it just wasn't. It didn't get you like all the. T- There's like little points that were funny, but I didn't think it was like con consistently funny throughout the entire thing. See, that's funny because I found it so much better than Step Brothers. But that's that's the joy of film isn't it it's so opinionated and yeah, yeah absolutely. You, you definitely have to love Will Ferrell's style to love this film I think because mm-hmm. you you have to get invested in that style and it, it overwhelms the whole film which is what does it for me but I know that can also put other people off if it's not what they're after yeah and Will Ferrell does whether you like him or not he has got a huge on-screen presence oh, when he's on screen completely. huge like another film as well just to get off topic really quickly is Wedding Crashers he appears in Wedding Crashers for maybe 15-20 minutes of the film but it feels like a totally different film when he's in it just because he's got such a presence on screen it almost for those 20 minutes becomes a Will Ferrell movie then it switches back to the type of comedy that was already on screen yeah he has a certain power about him mm-hmm. but yeah I'm loving how childlike they are I love that <laughs> Dale totally vets um, the mum I can't remember her name now but um, Nancy. Nancy yeah um, asking Robert like well like we do man stuff like we make our own beef jerky we shit with the door open like and he's like asking like what if she wants me what if she's after me and stuff um, and then like judging um, her medical school and he's like no no that's not good enough and, and you know it's just the it's so childish but I really connect it and it is that style thing um that you mentioned as well, Gary. So, yeah. yeah. It is funny in that scene where he's, like, uh, almost investigating on when he is saying that, like, <laughs> we are men, like, we, we shit with the door open, etc. And the dad just turns around and he's like, we have literally done none of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So a little step into their world, definitely. Um, so, Alistair, what's your next your next sort of point on the, on the film? I know you kind of picked on, up on this, but, like, the whole sort of sibling rivalry thing, I think it, it that can hit with like a lot of people. A lot of people maybe maybe feel the same. Like I know there's a lot of maybe like uh, like firstborn children. Like if there's like two the kids or kids born after them, there's maybe maybe a bit more attention put on them, um, and their success is maybe praised a bit more. So the the firstborn child sort of fades into the background. 
a little bit. So I quite like that it deals with with like like family issues like that. Like the dad is so focused on getting his dream and retiring that he completely forgets all about the rest of the family and ends up. I know that they they put the emphasis on, oh, the kids have ruined the relationship, but him wanting this so bad. I think, like, in in my mind, he effectively, like, destroys the relationship. Whereas you're made to feel like, oh, the kids are the stupid ones and they've ruined the relationship. But, no, him just, like, completely not taking their feelings into account. And you can see that with, like, Nancy, like, Brennan's mum. She's kind of, like, trying to sort of bridge the gap and, you know, trying to see everyone's perspective. But it's just being overshadowed by him and what he wants. And, again, it'll... You can imagine that you see that when when Derek comes over, and he's like fawning over him. He's like, "Oh, you're so amazing," you know. And like when he's talking about when I make love to your mother, I, I think about this is where you came from, and I'm just so honoured to be there <laughs> and, and stuff. Like, you know, it's it's so hor it's like horrible, but you're like this is how, uh, like this this guy is just obsessed with this idea of selling his house and living his dream. That he's just like, right, I don't care what happens this is this is just what i want he's just so selfish mm-hmm. but then you know he has a little reprieve at the end and and he eventually realizes no way this is actually not like the way it should be like it's seeing his son like doing a job that he doesn't like and looking miserable and he's like no like it's it's like it's almost like a generational thing like he was forced to do that and to get a job and to become a doctor and he's forcing that upon his kids but he realizes no wait this this is how it shouldn't be like i'm caught up in in my own head and the focus should be on you and doing what you want to do yeah definitely and it's only when he he releases that resistance um of like accepting the boys for who they actually are that everyone is happy and together again and things are working and everyone's living a happy life because they've just accepted who those boys authentically are but whenever he's resisting and you know idolizing Derek and being like why can't you be more like this and just putting the boys down all the time that's when the friction comes and that's as you said he breaks the relationship um so yeah creating that nice family obviously comes back at the end and lights it all up yeah, because it's a whole bit where they're at the wedding and she's like, oh, my other son couldn't be here because he's away on a fishing trip. But then we eventually meet him. He's not even angry about that because of who he was away fishing with. You know, mm-hmm. if I was if I was like getting married and I'd be pulling him up like, well, where were you? Yeah. But because he's he's got this sort of rich, fancy lifestyle, he's like, oh, I want to be a part of that. I need to be in with this guy. You know, it's, it's almost like when when sometimes people see someone like, oh, I want to be in their life. As if, you know, I'm, I'm even fancier, or I'm richer just by being around this type of person, and in doing that, he just turns into a bit of an arsehole. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, and he almost is the one that gets the life lesson by the end. You know, like the other characters, I would say, don't really change. The only real change with Dale and Brennan are that they learn to get along. But they've kind of done that like halfway through the film. I guess they become a, a little bit more calmer, shall we say. They're not as eccentric by the end. But the dad is the one that like has a life lesson and learns what's important in life, whereas they already kind of know 
family's important, that's why they want to keep their dad or keep their mum, you know, because that's what's important to them and they feel like they're going to lose that. But the dad is the one that realises, well, like, family comes before fancy boats and careers and stuff like that. That's actually quite a nice segue into my next point because it was on the mum and dad and we've kind of touched on some of it already actually but the mum and dad are actually extremely different from each other like I know they say opposites can attract but watching it I was like I don't really know why these two are actually together because she is so caring one of the scenes in it which I did really like was when the two of them uh, sorry Brennan and Dale realise how similar they actually are it's obviously the, the famous scene, did we just become best friends? <laughs> that scene. But it cuts to the mum in the next room and she just, I think she's reading her book and she just starts smiling that her son is happy. You know, she loves her children no matter their age. But then you go to the dad and he's actually a bit of a dick. Like, he seems to genuinely only care about himself and he doesn't really seem loving and I just didn't really know what the mum's seen in him. But... Like, for one example is, he comes home absolutely steaming, he's drunk, he says something like, I've been drinking wine and eating cheese and it's the happiest I've felt in months. And I just was like, why would he say that to, like, this beautiful wife, you know? The happiest he's ever felt is eating cheese and drinking wine, not doing something with her. Although it's about the stepbrothers, I thought their relationship was relatively interesting as well. Yeah, it. the dad is a character that I just can't get behind. There's not really a time in the film where I'm like, yeah, I'm on your side. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Until until the end and I'm like, okay, he's learned his lesson. Like He's accepting these boys for who they are and moving forward, yeah, amazing. But throughout the whole film, I just thought he was a bit of a dick. There was there was one scene where I did relate to him. Hey, what part was it? It's when the stepbrothers come into the bedroom, into their bedroom and say... They want to create bunk beds because it'll give them more space. And he's like, you don't need to ask my permission. And they're like, okay, but it'll give us more floor space and like we know how to do it, we've got all the tools. And he's like, okay, but you don't need to ask my permission. And it's that I related to when you say to someone, yeah, do what you want. And then they keep going, but it's okay, you sure? And you're like, oh my God, just do, do what you want. Just leave, leave I'm the room. I'm that person. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> my mum used to always say to me like when I stayed with my mum and dad she'd always be like Ashley why are you asking to have fruit have as much fruit as you want like I would just ask for everything like oh is it okay if I can do this but it's just like in my nature but totally these guys are um, yeah they're full grown adults they're if they want to make bunk beds they can go make bunk beds I'm really sure that the parents just want a break <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But then it does it does it does backfire on them though because they like just do what you want and then you cuts to the bunk bed and it is a death trap literally so like they should have really checked on it but I agree with you actually I'm the same like no matter how old I get even when I'm in my own home I somehow I'm like it's okay if I have a biscuit or like I feel like I need to ask people's permission and I don't know why <laughs> I know we need to step into our power and just own it <laughs> maybe that's my new year's resolution next year is just to, don't, don't ask just do <laughs> yes <laughs> that's it. It, build, it builds up so much in him at that point that you mentioned that he's just like when he goes i don't give a fuck he's just like i don't care just go mm -hmm. and do what you want and get out so i think that you need to think oh do i want a biscuit oh, i don't give a fuck i'll go and get one that's fine mm -hmm. yeah 
yeah, you can totally tell he's like, I, I just want peace. Yeah. Leave me, leave me, do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my uh, second point is my favourite scene in the film and involves Derek and his family. It's the car scene. It's when they're singing Sweet Child of Mine. I don't know how many times I've remaked this scene with my sister, but it is just so funny. Like, the dad, uh, Derek's got his Bluetooth headset on. Um, you know, the son goes for it. He goes for that solo. He owns it. It's actually amazing. Um, they're all trying to do their harmonies. Then he's uh, saying to the wife, you know, flat, flat. Like, we've spelt spent $1,200 on voice lessons for nothing and then he's just like so raging almost crashes the car swerves it and then they go back to singing again I just think it sets him up for being such a prick and the dynamic of this family is very different from the family they're going to dinner to and and I just I honestly love it it makes me laugh so much every single time and the dad um, Derek just loves himself absolutely loves himself um and yeah I just think it's a it's a golden scene and I wish I wish there was one more I wish there was one more because I really could I could have a few more of them in the film but this one really makes me laugh so much so yeah that's my second point the car scene the famous car scene (laughs) it's so funny as well but like the the two kids they they are like really annoying uh-huh. in the film although they're hardly in the film they're just really annoying and they're really well cast as well because you can tell they look really stuck up and smarmy so like it's really well cast but at the same time you just like I just hate you as soon as I see you like instantly hate yeah definitely those, those poor actors are now going to hear Alistair Rennie say that like they just look smug and well casted as if that's their everyday life <laughs> I'm sure there was a lot to fabricate that it's all different bits coming together. Um, I'm sure do you know what that that scene reminded me of as well? Was that scene in White Chicks with Terry Crews? That one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the both of them like made me laugh just in the same way. Yeah. I don't know what it is about like people singing in a car. It's like carpool karaoke. I love it. Yeah, just... especially when it's a well-known song, isn't it? Because you mm-hmm. just, I think you can relate to it as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Derek as well, like, he is so, like, stuck up and it's all about the money and um, being the best at everything. And as you said, Alistair, the dad seems to relate to that as well. And it makes you wonder what his original dad, his and Brennan's original dad was like. I wonder if he was very similar because Derek is nothing like Brennan or the mum. So, yeah. like, where did he get his traits from? And does yeah. that mean that Nancy, the mum, goes for the same type of man? There's something to think about in there as well. Yeah, very true. Very it's true. Actually funny. It's funny as well when you talk about Derek being the successful one. But if you go, like, right to the end of the movie as well, Brennan is actually the one that saves him because he's about to lose all this money and all these helicopter rentals. He's like, this is, this is going to shit here. Um, and it's all on you and you're fired and stuff like that but like obviously Brennan and Dale sort of club together and be like right okay let's let's sort of save this mm-hmm. and it's actually the person that he kind of looks down on and sort of almost despises um, that actually comes along and, and saves him yeah it's almost like their wild ideas 
is what saves the day for everyone because it saves Derek, it saves uh, the mum and dad's marriage. They get to put on a good show as well. Mm-hmm. And then and we finally hear um, Brennan singing properly, like on stage, living his dream. <laughs> yeah, supposedly as well, that is actually Will Ferrell singing and John C. Reilly actually playing the drums. It's, it's legit them uh-huh. performing. Yeah. I could get behind that. He sings mm-hmm. in he sings in Elf as well, which I know is is different and it's a very like comedic. But yeah, no, I could get behind that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hope it is. <laughs> um, Alistair, what is your third point on the film? I think it's a film that that you need to watch a couple of times. I think the the first time. I, like I watched it, I think, or you watch it, you if and if you find it funny, um, <laughs> <laughs> that you're you're probably laughing quite a lot, and you maybe miss things because there's like little throwaway lines here and there that even up until like a couple of times ago that I rewatched, I'm like, ah, do you know what? I never even noticed that. There's like a random line where it's like the morning after they've like been sleepwalking, and uh, Richard and. Nancy come in. I think it's Richard his name, I can't remember. Uh, Robert. Robert, that's it. Richard's his real name. Right. Uh, <laughs> they come in and they're talking about like something they've done where they've had sex and he's like, I'm still hurting from that. Where did you learn that or something like that? But it's just like a it's just right. like a really random throwaway line as they're walking into the room and then they quickly move on to the situation they've been confronted with in the kitchen. You know, so it's like little things like that and like when they're they're trying to like put people off buying the house, and he's sort of lying in in the the front bit of the uh, like in front of the door with the dead body, and like Brennan's just lying there, but you can see him like blinking every so often, like he's not actually like he's not he's just sitting blinking, <laughs> you know. And it's just it's just like little things like that um, that you kind of maybe miss out on because you're maybe laughing so much, and. And also, like, I know you kind of say all that, there's maybe a lot of comedy films that you maybe watch and there's maybe not so much meaning behind it, but there's actually, like, if once you watch it a few times and you're like, actually, there's, like, a lot of things that you can take from this. Like, I mean, it addresses bullying in the film. Like I said before, sibling rivalry, um, you know, like, kind of family, like a new relationship where you've got existing kids and trying to make that work. And I know... Gary, you'd mentioned like it was originally potentially written as a drama. See if you if you took Will Ferrell and John C. Reilly out and like cast two kids, I think that would be more more of a drama. There you would see more of the more of the drama, and it'd be a bit more sort of obviously realistic. But you'd maybe look at it more like so that that's what it's like. You're seeing this situ- situation and scenario through a, through a child's eyes, and yeah. what what they're kind of going through. Yeah, I think I've. I've thought about it a lot like would it work better if it was two 10 year old kids like and would it have the same comedy aspects as like a uh, good boys mm. or would it work better as well maybe with like having teenagers like you know like 15 16 or so you could still have those elements where they go get a job and you could still have the interviews or maybe maybe that's not what it's missing maybe and I'm just not seeing it, you know, as well. But there is elements in there of, as we were talking about earlier, like what's the meaning of it? And as you said, like it does cover a lot with like family, bullying, um, I guess in a way class, class of people as well. So there is a lot that you could take away from it, yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
And I was just going to say, just talking about some of the the funnier lines in it, there was a few that got me, like, for instance, Dale calls his chest hair chest pubes, and I found <laughs> that quite funny. And probably the line that I laughed at the most was when Brennan says to Dale, I'm going to take a pillowcase, fill it full of soap bars, and beat the shit out of you. Like, it's just his <laughs> deliverance of it was, was great on that as well, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, if you don't mind, Gary, I'm going to jump in with my third point now because it, yeah. my third point is the language in this film. Um, and it's all those little one-liners that you can just quote and they're hilarious. It is it is the childlike um, lines, but with the adult meanings. Like These guys are adults now. They know how to be rude. They know how to be vile. They know how to be hurtful to people, but they still have that overwhelming sense of childlike identities as well um it's the like holy santa claus shit and want to go do karate in the garage like (laughs) and they're like of course that's something they would want to do but probably i don't know i don't know two 40 year old guys who have just become stepbrothers who hated each other before probably wouldn't bond over just like thrashing each other in the garage but I don't know why I said it like garage. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Garage. I'm sorry. Um, and then when they go into the um, the interviews and they're like, we're here to fuck shit up. And they're interviewing together. Uh, there's so much room for activities. Is something I say all the time when I'm rearranging something. And then oh, one of the best lines, which I hadn't picked up on uh, in the times that I'd watched it before, but I picked on up, up on it this time was when when Brennan finally sings to Dale, and Dale says, "Your voice is like a combination of Fergie and Jesus," <laughs> and I thought that was perfect because after the performance, you think Dale's going to come out and say, "Like Brennan, you've not got it. You're terrible," and then he comes out with that. I was just like. Amazing. I I actually thought on that line it was going to be that he was going to sing and he was going to be awful, but Mm -hmm. then Dale would think he's fantastic and try and take it places. So I thought he was going to be extremely bad, but to Dale's ears, he's fantastic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't, I wouldn't say it's his greatest performance because when he comes out with the song at the end, his voice is very different. It's very like sophisticated and full. And then in this scene, it's good. He's got like a an all right voice, um, but I don't know about you guys, but I wouldn't have described it as a combination of Fergie and Jesus. <laughs> but it, that's just the sort of things that I love it. Um, I love about this film the little liner uh, one liners that you just think, how did you come up with this? Because that is like golden. And even when they're in the interviews and they're like, do we get some sort of souvenirs from this? Like. <laughs> why wouldn't you get a souvenir from an interview who knows um and just jumping in on that i like the little um seth rogan uh what do you call that again cameo Cameo. (laughs) seth rogan cameo just because i'm a big seth rogan fan i think he's great and yeah i'd forgotten about it actually yeah, when he appeared on it, I was like, yes, because I do like a bit of Seth Rogen as well. Mm-hmm. And then I was kind of gutty that he was only in that one scene. But he was quite underplayed in it, I thought, as well. He was, like, usually he's quite big and bold mm-hmm. in his films, but he was he played that yeah. uh, quite subtle. I feel like if he was any bolder, he would have 
gotten on with the stepbrothers too well. So yeah, maybe yeah. would have hired them and that would have been a <laughs> completely different film. But yeah, that's, as I say, my last point was the language because I just find the lines so bloody funny. <laughs> yeah, like, I'd read somewhere that they originally, like, the first cut of the film that they did was five hours long because what? they, like, the director let them improvise so much and just, like, come up with things on the spot. And, like, mm-hmm. the, the line I think Catherine Han does um, when she's outside talking to Brennan and she talks about keeping him inside her vagina, that was completely <laughs> improv And, like, I think they kept that on the first take or the second take or something. She did it again. But that was, like, completely improvised. I so just I'm, like, think... It's, it's amazing, like, what, what the actors can kind of come up with on the spot. You know, yeah. it's, and it's, it's so cool to see that. And you can see them... The cool thing about this film is you can see them, they're having fun. You know, they're having mm-hmm. fun making this. And, like, the scene with Seth Rogen with the, the long fart, you can... Like, if you watch Will Ferrell's, like, trying to stop himself laughing the entire way through that scene. And you same with Mary Steenburgen, like, in, like, half of her scenes, you can see her, like, mm-hmm. trying not to laugh I wonder, through all of it. Yeah, I wonder how many takes they had to redo because people burst out laughing. I just think it it's such a funny film and you know, hearing those lines for the first time, they must have been doubled over. Surely. Oh yeah. I I suppose I'm judging that on my sense of humour, but <laughs> if it was me <laughs> I would definitely have a few laughs in there. <laughs> See even the cringy lines I find funny. Like, the bit where she's standing outside after they've had the fight and she's like, what the fucking fuck? Like, that's so cringy. But I still find it hilarious. And then when he's standing at the top of the line and he's like, failures. You know, it's like it's just like so cringy, but you can't... Like, normally you'd be like, oh, my God. But for me, I just can't help but still mm-hmm. laugh. And then when they all go, it's the fucking Catalina wine mixer. You know, it's just so cheesy and cringy, but it's just... Yeah. It's so funny. This film gets away with it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, Gary, on to your final point. Um, So, my last point is just on the structure of the film, because it actually surprised me watching it. I was expecting these two brothers, or these two men, Brendan and Dale, to hate each other until the end of the film. I thought that was what it was going to be, basically, that the two of them don't get on at all, and then something happens, like a divorce from the parents, and they almost have to team together to then get on with each other and save the day but actually did the opposite it was like maybe half an hour into the film where the two of them actually realize how similar they are and how much they like the same stuff and then they do become best friends but what was interesting was i feel like then the film followed almost the structure of a rom-com only rather than being like boy and girl it was those two so it was almost like it had that boy meets girl boy loses girl, boy does something to get them back together, you know? So, like, the two of them, they get on with each other and then the divorce happens, then they two fall out as well and then they almost have to get back together to save the day and then by the end of it, the two of them are on stage together singing, which you would find in some sort of rom-com, you know, where someone's got a bit of stage fright or something, the other one decides to go on and, and sing with them and that's how they end up working out their relationship. So I like that structure that it followed. Yeah, you're so right, um... Because they definitely could have dragged out them hating each other for longer and it still would have been very valid and probably a really good film because there was a lot of 
really funny bits when they did hate each other, but actually bringing them together first got us invested in their relationship and how much fun they were having it and they were just taking over the world um, from their perspectives and loving things but then actually the family was tearing apart so it's those ups and downs um, yeah definitely yeah I know we just we spoke about it just briefly earlier um, with daddy's home that kind of followed that structure you know of these two men that dislike each other almost until the end of the film and it could have followed that same sort of trait, although I think Daddy's Home was out after this. But yeah, so I was glad that they got to like get on with each other, well, as as I said, half an hour into the film, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Has anyone got any uh, nitpicks or other notes of things they didn't like about the film? I, um, I can jump in a wee bit. I loved the scene with the <laughs> balls on the drum set. Yes. It was so disgusting but hilarious at the same time. Um, and that was one of the highlights. Of, for me, that was one of the highlights that um, made me laugh. I also loved Brennan's line where he said, as soon as my mum is of age, I'm putting her in a home. I love that as well. <laughs> um, and I, as I said earlier, I wanted more of Seth Rogen in it. Mm-hmm. You know, but then it's I'm asking for a different film there if I if I get that so I understand. Um it was just a little bit too childish from for me when the dad slaps his son's ass and then like the part where they get beaten up by the school children, I was just a bit oh, this is a wee bit too much for me. That's true, I forgot about that bit actually. Uh-huh. Last thing and this isn't anything to do with stepbrothers, but it's more about houses in America so they have to share a room but the house is huge from the outside and American films do this quite a lot where it's like this house it looks like it's got about 20 bedrooms in it but then they just deliver this line oh we don't have any spare bedrooms you're going to have to share and then even on that note what size of rooms are they having where they can fit casually two double beds in it two double beds <laughs> yeah definitely um, I don't really have any nitpicks because I do love this film but I think part of it is because I know it'll always make me laugh just with the one-liners and also from watching it the first time it just kind of takes me back to how it made me feel the first time so I don't have any nitpicks but one line that I did love at the end of it um, was when the boys are going to get up on stage at the Catalina Wine Mixer and I can't remember if it, Dale says it to Brennan or Brennan says it to Dale, but one of them says, you got it, dragon. And it's the only time that the other one calls them dragon throughout the whole film, except from when they demand it at the start. Oh, I can't remember who's dragon and who's Nighthawk, but... Yeah, I yeah. was trying to remember that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just thought, oh, that's like a nice little um, a nice little touch. But I totally, I totally agree with the kids beating them up. Um, and them having to like lick the white dog poo like that's just it's weird and it does bring it it down yeah getting beaten up with the kids because you kind of you kind of think okay so this is who these guys are and then but really like really when they're that age are they gonna not be able to walk away from kids I don't know yeah, and like they seem to obviously both Brennan and Dale seem to like lose their temper very easily so 
if a kid was shouting abuse at one of them, I feel like they would just run up and like fly kick one of them or, or something really immature, you know? Maybe it would have worked a bit better for me if it was maybe, maybe they were bullied at school and then those people that bullied them at school were now older and they met them as they were walking home every day, you know, and they would still shout abuse. Maybe if it was people of the same age. I know the idea is that these are fully grown men who can get bullied by kids. I understand what they're what they're going for. Yeah. Did you no, s- did you see the the post credit scene where they go back and beat the kids up? Mm-hmm. So they get their own back eventually. Yeah, yeah. Although very illegally, and shouldn't be advised to do that if you're an, an a forty year old adult getting bullied by kids. You shouldn't go and beat them up, but they still get their own back. You do. Alistair, any other nitpicks or anything you want to say about the film that we didn't get in in our points? I think there's there's a couple of things in it that relate to what's happening right now. Like there's a line where Brennan says, this house is a fucking prison. And I'm like, that's so related to, relatable to what's going on right now. Um, and the fact that they're being made to go for jobs that they don't want to do. So again, that's been in the news and the media a lot. So that even though it's like twelve years old or whatever, like there's there's a lot in it to to what's happening just now, and the whole thing is they have this idea of 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 this company that they want to make, and they actually make a success of it because they they prove that you know this is this is what we want to do and this is how we're going to do it and they show people that they can do it. So I think there's a there's a lot of kind of positive things to take from it but it's it's kind of weird watching it back being like wow that's there's a couple of things in there that's relating to sort of what's going on just now um i sort of agree that that seth rogan should maybe have been in it a bit more i was looking for a bit more of him also rob Regal as well i think he's really funny mm-hmm. um just whenever he says pow it's just it's hilarious and him uh eating a penis is is again was another highlight as well <laughs> Um, but I think he's he's just a really funny actor, and I think that's the cool thing. Like everyone was cast really well. I I don't think I could say anything bad about any of the casting in this, and they they kind of get it pretty much spot on. So I think yeah, that's again that's why I think it's one of my my go to films. It's just like everything, everything's just it just works. I think it just works. Yeah. But no, I don't I don't think there's anything that I would I would really particularly nitpick maybe just some of the cringier lines tone it down a little bit um but no i I just i just love the film yeah yeah there's a type of humor as well that um it's maybe came in like the last 10 15 years where it's two people arguing and they'll be slating each other calling each other names but the the camera almost lingers on the joke longer than what the characters can keep up with and then you're no longer laughing at the joke you're laughing at the cringy awkwardness between the two people because their jokes and their arguments have got so bad and I think that's a type of humour that I need to get used to and I do agree that you can look at it in, with new eyes with everything that's going on just now Alistair and a lot of dreams of people's are getting broken at the moment and to see these two men succeed with their dream is, is great as well yeah yeah, it's funny how you can look back at these older films and relate them to right now and what's happening. Definitely. I honestly can't believe Step Brothers is 12 years old. Makes you yeah. feel old. Well, I just... I can't have seen it when it first came out. 
Or could you have? I might. I might have done. <laughs> I, I might have done. But I feel like it's been more recent. Who knows? But yes, let's get on to our final ratings out of ten. Has anything changed for anybody, Gary? I'm coming to you first. Of course you are. Of yes. Course. Um, I'm going to keep it five point nine at the moment. I feel like I need to give it one more chance. Best mm-hmm. of three, so to speak. Um, yeah. I've tried twice, at least I got through it this full time and maybe by the third time I'll, I'll laugh a lot more. As we said earlier, I think it's, you need to watch it with a certain group of people, I feel, that, that all like that sense of humour. I think it can be the environment that you watch a film and can change how you feel about it. So mm-hmm. I'll give it another go. Okay. Alistair, you still a 10 out of 10? I'm still sticking with a 10. Like This film has like a significance, even more recently... So, like, I met my current girlfriend on online dating and one of her things in her bio was quote stepbrothers way too much and that's the only thing I read and I swiped for her and we're still together, like, a year and a half later. So, we like, we sat and rewatched it last night and that's what our first... We agreed our first date would be to, like, chill out and watch stepbrothers. So, not only, like, do I find it hilarious, it just it, it's got an extra level of meaning there as well at the moment too. Oh, I love that. I love it. Yeah, so basically what you're saying is you're not allowed to give it any lower than 10 out of 10. Maybe. No, no. no. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> no, we, bo- we both think it's a 10, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's lovely. For me, I'm actually going to take my rating down a point because I think I got a wee bit overexcited about it. So I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 for this film. Just thinking about comparing it to other films that we maybe have spoken about. I'm kind Come of comp- to the dark side. Yeah, I'm kind of comparing it um, <laughs> a little bit to Book Smart and the humour in that. So, yeah, eight out of ten. <laughs> I'm sorry, I still love it. Still, <laughs> it's still a top go-to comedy film. Why I've maybe scored that so low as well is because I actually struggle to get three like three significant clear points for doing this podcast. It was like I felt like it was very hard to actually find three different things that I could speak about separately mm-hmm. for a film that that has, as Alistair says, it's got so much in there. But I, I, yeah, I, I struggled with that as well, so yeah. that probably didn't help. Well, that's the thing as well. It's one of those films that there's so much dialogue as well that I was not looking at cinematography, I was not looking or listening uh, for music or anything. Like I, I couldn't actually tell you much about that because for me it's all in the the dialogue um, and what happens in the scene and in the relationships. So yeah, it would be interesting actually for us to go and watch this film and try and only focus on things like cinematography, uh, sound design, costume even, and see what what our perspective, yeah. Best bit of cinematography, without a doubt, is in the treehouse when Derek lifts his shirt up and like shows the abs. I mean, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> like spot on. Yeah, that was that was actually really funny, and they obviously deliberately filmed in a way where they could just have like obviously the stunt man in, but it wasn't as if they even tried to hide that fact, <laughs> you know. Yes, oh definitely. Well, it's been very nice chatting about this film, and I loved having to watch it for the podcast as well. Um, so we'll take a little break just now, and when we come back, we will. Hit you up with our 10 quick-fire questions, Alistair. On the count of three, name your favourite dinosaur. Don't even think about it, just name it. Ready? One, 
two, three. Velociraptor. Favorite non-pornographic magazine to masturbate to. Good housekeeping. If you were a chick, who's the one guy you would sleep with? John Samos. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. So, here we are. Quick fire quiz on stepbrothers. Alistair, are you ready? No, but let's go for it. <laughs> okay, Gary, you can give the first question. Okay, question one. Who wrote the screenplay for stepbrothers, Will Ferrell or John C. Reilly? Did they not both write it together? Is that your final answer? Aye, I think so. Okay. Nope, it was Will Ferrell. The story was created by John C. Reilly. Ah, okay, fair enough. See? Uh, my first question, what does Brennan say to Derek when he's wearing the Nazi uniform? Does it say eat shit, Derek, or something like that? No, this one says sprechen sie dick. <laughs> oh. You think oh. I'd not watch this, like, a thousand times? <laughs> um, what is Brennan's surname? Huff. Yes. What does Brennan always do when he's sleepwalking? Oh, he puts uh, Nancy's purse in the freezer. Yes. Okay, what food does Seth Rogen say Dale's fart tastes like? Ketchup and onions. <laughs> what does Dale always do when he's sleepwalking? He puts the couch pillows in the oven. Yes. Okay. Who directed Step Brothers? Adam McKay. Yes. Which film did Mary Steenburgen play Will Ferrell's stepmother? Elf. Yes. And my last one, what does Brennan tell Derek is good for shoulder pain? <laughs> Licking his butthole. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I use that all the time, so if I didn't know that one, there'd be something wrong there. I just wanted you to say something minging on <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> okay, last question. What is the name of the band that play at the Catalina Wine Mixer? Oh... I know they only play 80s Joel. Um, Uptown something? Half a point. It's Uptown Girl. (laughs) Oh! Well done! Well done. Very well done. Uh, And you you knew your quotes. I'm I'm disappointed I didn't get 10. I'm not going to lie, but... It's alright. It means I just need to go and watch it again. Yes. That's fine (laughs) with me. Definitely. Um, So... Let's uh, wrap up the film there. Loved speaking about it and loved watching it. It's a dream. So let's all go on to our fun fact of the day. Gary, take it away. Okay, so mine is a musical fact. The Beatles song, A Day in the Life, has a frequency only dogs can hear. So in an interview, Paul McCartney said he added a frequency only dogs can hear to the end of the Beatles song. So watch your dog when, like, you play that song and see if they actually, like, change and do something weird. You know, see if they start doing that weird dog head tilt thing that dogs do when they're (laughs) being cute and confused. I wonder why they did that. Probably just for, like, shits and giggles. Yeah. You know, (laughs) to to see if the dog actually did anything. (laughs) 
My fun fact is the first speeding ticket was issued in the UK, first ever one. It was in 1896, a person was caught driving eight miles per hour in a zone where the maximum limit was two miles per hour. That's quite a lot. Wow. Four times the speed limit. (laughs) Where is two miles per hour? Must be like at school or something. Well, it was in 1896. Okay. So. True. (laughs) Probably didn't have the power. Um, that we are able to use now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Alistair, have you got your fun fact of the day? Yeah. Uh, so Pluto was discovered on the 18th of February 1930 by the Lowell Observatory, but for the 76 years between Pluto being discovered and being classified as a dwarf planet, it had only completed under a third of its orbit around the sun. Oh. That is interesting. Very. That sounded real. Yeah. That's pretty cool, actually. Definitely. Yeah. And to round off the show, uh, we're all going to name a great short film that we've watched and where our viewers can, uh, viewers, definitely listeners, can go if they want to watch it. Gary, have you got a short film for us this week? Yes, I do. Ooh, I don't even know what happened there with my voice. Yes, I do. And Alistair, you might be. You might know of this film. It's a 48-hour film project called Supermatch. I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, so Alistair actually stars in this film. (laughs) Um, So for those listeners that don't know, the 48-hour film project is a competition where you have to uh, write, shoot and edit a film in under 48 hours. So if I'm right in saying, Alistair, this film won Best Costume and Best Graphics as well. Yeah, it did, yeah. Yeah, so you can catch this film on YouTube. Just type in Supermatch 48-Hour Film Project Glasgow and it should come up. It's very funny. It's one of my favourite 40-hour films that I've seen. And, yeah, check it out and see what Alistair looks like. (laughs) And Alistair, have you got a short film for us? Yeah, um, short film I watched recently is called Darkling. Um, it's made by some people in Glasgow. Um, some of the people who worked on it in front of the camera and behind the camera, I have the pleasure of knowing and I've worked with some of them before. Uh, but it was really kind of interesting, a uh, sort of short film. It's almost like two stories going on at the once and it sort of meets in the middle. And then you get a bit of explanation as to what's going on. But it's quite kind of tense and a few sort of shocking moments in there. Uh, but it's only about ten minutes long, uh, but it, it makes it makes it feels like you know you're left wanting more, which I think is a good thing from a short film. So it's almost like oh, they could do a lot more with this, or you could like turn this into like a, a feature. Even you know there's there's a lot in there that they could they could run with if they want to do more. Nice. We'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes as well. And the short film that I'm going to recommend um, was actually recommended. To- to me by my friend Claire Doherty who helped edit the film and she produced the film as well. It is a Gaelic film called Coik Puing a Tree. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. Because <laughs> sounded good. I've, I've practised. Uh, it translates to 5.3 and it's a very short film, I think it's under five minutes actually, um, about identity and perception and yeah, really really nice short film, important short film and it is available on YouTube, so I'll also put a link to that in the show notes too. Um, so yeah, thank you so much, Alistair. 
um, for coming on the podcast and choosing Stepbrothers. And can you let our listeners know where they can keep up to date with you and look out for your projects? You know, it's one of these things I've been meaning for a while to like make a page, like an actor's page or something to like post my work there. But I've, I've not done it. And part of me, the reason why I've not done it is I don't sort of feel I've, I've achieved that level yet to be able to do that. But I probably can because I've, I've done quite a few things. You definitely can. You definitely can. But um, there's a good few things I've done on YouTube. Um, I'm not going to sit and name them all, but I'm, I'm on Facebook. There's a, there's a, uh, a film company I've worked a lot with recently and they're starting to put their, their stuff out called Collective Voices. Um, so you can see a couple of things I've worked on in front of and behind the camera there. Nice. So just collectivevoicesproductions.co.uk. They're also on the, all the social media platforms as well. Uh, but just come and add me as a friend if you want on Facebook. Um, but if I don't know you, I might not add you. But if you just message me and be like, I want to see your stuff, I'll send you some links. Yeah, and Alistair, uh, we can, if you want to send, rather than naming all the shorts or that that you've done, if you give us some links, we can put them in the show notes for you as well so people can see them there. But just speaking about your Facebook, you were doing something that was quite cool where, where you're not, you and your partner were picking like a film each out of a hat or something to then review, watch and review. Yes, so we were kind of, obviously during the lockdown and things, we'd, we'd sort of said, you know, what's your kind of favourite films and what have you seen, what have you not seen? So we started off each by picking like seven films that we each really wanted to watch again or that we'd not seen or that we think the other person should have seen. Um, and then it's turned into like, there's we've got like 400 and odd films because people kept recommending stuff and we kept looking at films saying, oh, we should watch that, we should watch that. So it's a project that's going to be, which is going to be ongoing. So I think it's a cool thing to have is like a list of like TV shows or films. So you instead of like squabbling over, you know, what to watch, you just be like, right, what's next on our list? What do we pick out? There we go. There's something to watch. My friend, he did something similar as well, whereas he's decided to watch 26 films that he's not seen before, but start from A and work to Z. So like film titles. And I think that's quite a cool idea as well. So if you are looking for ways in to watch new films, that's one. Love it. Absolutely. I love it. Definitely. So as always, I'm Ashley Sutherland and you can find me at, at Ashley Sutherland on Instagram or at Ash Sutherland 4 on Twitter. And I'm Gary and you can get me at Hewitt G Pro on Instagram and on Twitter. For anyone who wants to get in touch with their views on the film or anything else about the podcast, you can email us at choosefilmpodcast at hotmail.com. And if you like what you're hearing, please share the podcast, subscribe, tell your friends, leave us comments, email us if you like. We love to hear from you. And as always, please review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, You've been listening to Choose Film, a real retrospective podcast. And join us next time where we will be doing a little bonus episode Um, and I'm going to keep that under wraps just now who knows what that bonus episode will be thank you so much thank you, cheers thanks, bye this conversation can serve no purpose anymore goodbye, bye, bye